The LCS players might be walking out in just a few hours from this recording. This is episode 126 of the Clown Fiesta podcast with Blue Jay and JNT250. Jinter, we're recording this before the vote for the walkout, um, but it's kind of interesting, right? Because we kind of get to have all of our thoughts out on the table before we learn anything. And then like maybe in like three or four hours from now, we can look back and go, wow, I can't believe we were so worried or like, hey, maybe we had a good reason to be worried or whatever, right? So it's kind of interesting the way we're doing this this week. But um, the games just might not be starting on June 1st. And that's all because the LCSPA is kind of sick with sick of Riot and doing things without the, I don't know if I want to say permission of players, but without like the players having any say in what some of the decisions that the league is making. And I think they're pretty tired about it. Obviously, the big one that I'm sure all of our listeners are aware of is the shutting down the NACL or the requirement for LCS teams who have an NACL team. And that was kind of like the last straw where the LCSPA is going, okay, like we're going to walk out now because you guys are making big decisions and you're not caring about what the players think about these things. So uh, kind of interesting, wouldn't you say? Yeah, we're definitely reaching a bit of a boiling point here where this vote that's supposed to take place only a couple hours from at the time we're recording this Sunday night could have a pretty big domino effect in terms of how the league potentially plays out in the next two to three months. Because if the if the league as a collective takes this vote and the majority vote to strike against playing the LCS games in order to force more changes to the Challenger League scene, then one, that's going to shake up the whole summer schedule because guess what? We have Worlds coming up in the near future and you know LCS is starting later than some of the other regions. So it really wild. It's absolutely wild. It's yeah. It's so wild because honestly, like this could be such a good thing, but it could also be such a bad thing. The LCS is not in a healthy place right now. I mean, how many episodes in a row now, OJ and T am I saying like, we always have these doomer discussions. This one is like maybe doomer, but maybe it's like, counter doomer like maybe this is good you know maybe this is like the start of something good where the players you know can actually bring us some good news for once um but well that that remains to be seen we'll have to wait and see um hopefully people that are listening to this like tomorrow or a few days from now are going like yeah it turned out good and there's games happening on june 1st and so on and so forth but let's start with what the players are asking for uh do you want me to go or do you want to go with like the lcspa things that they're asking we'll go one by one yeah yeah, so if if you guys haven't been following this whole situation, the LCSPA Twitter account, they've been very vocal in their opinions of the players over the last two weeks, just trying to generally get their message across and what their goals are and how Riot has been changing the narrative and or as you know, Philip Aram says, you know, lying to us or us being the players association association about what they're looking to do for the long term future of the challenger scene. So they very recently tweeted out labeled their asks of riot and the first one which is a pretty controversial one i'll say is to institute a valorant style promotion and relegation between the lcs and the nacl this one is definitely the biggest ask right because now stop me if i'm wrong the only relegation system that i know is the old lcs one so let me know if this is different from what valorant does but is it two bottom teams that could get or how does that work? Do you know how it works? Jason? I'm not exactly sure how the Valorant style relegation and promotion is, but I would assume 
it's something very similar to the relegation and promotion system that was in the LCS since from its inception to the beginning of franchising. Regardless of what it is, I, I probably should have looked into it, so I apologize for that. But regardless of what it is, you're asking teams that have paid ten plus million dollars to join this league. Ten is what the initial thing was back in like when all the teams bought their spot in 2017, and and then the official franchising started in 2018 but they all paid 10 million back then to join and then some teams sold for upwards of like 30 million dollars and of course there's been a bunch of sales since that uh, i think that price has obviously come down but the point is teams have paid 10 plus million dollars to be in this league now you're gonna say like yeah but if you do bad you're gonna get relegated and you're not gonna be able to like you know play in the lcs anymore like that is that is wild right so to me, out of, out of all of the five bullet points that we're going to get into, that one seems to be the least likely. I mean, if they were to remove this, you know, it, sorry, if they were to implement this, you would basically be removing franchising because you're not going to have 10 guaranteed teams in the league all the time. It, it basically removes the entire purpose of franchising. And I know people are kind of memeing on what the purpose of franchising was because what we're seeing right now in the LCS is not what the goals of franchising were supposed to be when it was announced all way back in 2017 before it got implemented in 2018 so i mean i this would also say that the challengers league and academy was also supposed to be a part of franchising so it's like exactly it's almost like brick by brick we're taking apart the pieces of franchising except the teams paid for a franchise tag so yeah that's a tough uh tough ask but the whole point why this is probably the most difficult ask and probably one that I'm going to assume the LCSPA is not going to get, it's because you would, in theory, have to remove franchising. And, and that's going to be a big hit to a lot of the teams that are already invested in the long-term future of the LCS. And it might make teams even more likely to leave, like we're seeing with some right now. Yeah. Um, maybe we should go on to the next point. The next one is Riot. they want Riot to commit to a revenue pool for player salaries of 300 k per NACL team per year. So I guess the, the idea is just giving, like, I guess the, um, there was an article that came out not long ago saying that all of the LCS teams were given $3 million at the start of this year. Am I getting that right, Jinter? I believe so. So like, if you can afford to give the teams $3 million, uh, but you're no longer asking the teams to support developing North American talent, then maybe you could not have to give those, that whole $3 million to the teams and put some of that money towards developing north american talent right the 300k per nacl team is enough it, it's not a lot of money let's be real but it is enough for players to be able to do uh to still play league of legends and kind of pursue going pro so that you're not left with zero north american talent ever joining the lcs again right mm -hmm. and i'd have to assume that you know you look at the number of a 300k revenue pool per team and they specifically mentioned player salaries so I would have to assume that doesn't include, you know, operational stuff when it comes to running the team, coaching and whatnot. That is purely just for the player salaries. And based on the number of 300K divided by five being 60K, I'd have to assume that that is more than probably what the average salary in the NACL has been for the average player. See, I thought that that was the minimum. I thought it was 60K because of like some, God, I'm, I'm really not uh, well-versed in this area, but I thought that there was like the minimum of like a California salary or something like that. Or am I getting that mixed up? Have you heard anything about that or no? I mean, we don't know the number that that's, that, I, I guess I that's part that of I heard. Maybe someone in the, in the comment section can let me know why I'm thinking that 60 K is the, the minimum. Something tells me that that was like the minimum salary under California law, but I not my area of expertise admittedly, 
But anyways, this point, I could see actually Riot saying, you know what? Fair enough. If we were giving this money to the teams anyways, and they were supposed to develop talent, if we're no longer asking them to develop talent, we could rake back a little bit of that money and put it towards some players that are looking to go pro. Like, that doesn't seem like that crazy of an ask, knowing that Riot had already been giving 10 teams $3 million. I mean, it, so, it definitely it feels like the most obvious and easy one out of the five. And if it is, I mean, I... I can't recall exactly if 60K was the previous number of the minimum that you know, NACL players were getting, but if that was the correct number, then, well, guess what? That's how the system has been working in, you know, since the beginning anyway. So that should yeah, be fairly me, easy to implement in comparison to the first point. And, and to me, this tackles the biggest issue that caused the strike in the first place is that there's not going to be any more North American talent if all the players don't have any, you know, way to earn money and continue to try to go pro this fixes the main issue of why this whole mess started in the first place and why the LCSPA said, okay, look, we're going to do a walkout. I think that's probably the biggest one that they want. Um, and I think that, I, I don't know if that's like the most likely one to happen, but I, to me, it seems relatively likely. Uh, again, people listening to this tomorrow might be like, oh, actually you got that one wrong, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, anything else or should we go on to the next point? Yeah, we can go to the next one. Uh, they want to allow LCS orgs to partner with affiliates for cost sharing. So um, I guess the idea here would be that if there's like a lower tier org or a different org that wants to take on these players just to get their name out there, um, maybe they can partner up with some of these teams. So like Cloud9 could partner with, um, uh, or wait, did TSM ever partner with Maryville or no? I, did something like that happen? I that does sound familiar. Wasn't maybe so. it was rumors. The the point is that like one of the NACL teams could partner with just like an uh with an LCS team and then they could like, you know, save costs that way. That to me seems like the LCS owners might even want that to be a thing. Like that might even be more beneficial to the LCS orgs than it is to the players. Yeah, I mean, this is the the whole cost sharing point. That that's a point that they've maintained ever since the LCSPA has become so vocal with these issues because it it just makes sense for teams to potentially offset their costs by partnering with other teams or, you know, yeah. di different organizations. It, it just makes sense. Well, and it kind of allows, um, I don't know if allows is the right word, but it helps uh, the collegiate level of League of Legends kind of, you know, uh, cement themselves as like a real organization. Like, hey, come to our school now, because if they actually start getting some college level players to go pro like once happened with niles and um what's the jungler's name i can picture his face the one that played on golden guard iconic oh, iconic yeah. like those two players like if that becomes more common then i could actually see the collegiate scene growing uh believe it or not even though i would have been a lot ske more skeptical just a week ago um allowing orcs to partner whether it be with a college team or with what what is there like the fish taco team or whatever <laughs> might allow um more players to be able to go pro but also more organizations to have confidence in the north american challengers league right if you start getting some of those players to go pro mm -hmm. uh so that one seems pretty promising and uh, relatively possible for riot to make happen the fourth one fourth of five is uh they want riot to guarantee lcs minimum contracts for the following year of the five players who win in the lcs summer finals each year so this one i'm not totally undersure I'm, I'm not totally sure exactly what this means but to me it sounds like if you win the lcs so let's say um 
Cloud9 just won uh, the LCS last summer. If you win the LCS in summer, that means like Fudge and Blabber and Jensen and Berserker and Zven would all be guaranteed. Um, what's minimum pay? It's 75K? If that is still the accurate number, if that's I would still assume. The number, yeah, they would be guaranteed paid a 75K uh, salary this year. But I don't know if that means like if they're playing in the LCS, like what if Fudge for some reason got sent down to NACL and was playing for a challenger team, was playing for like Cincinnati Fear, would he still be getting paid the 75k from Riot? Like that this one I'm not totally The way that I the way that I interpreted this was if for whatever reason you ended up teamless after being on the summer roster who won the split which kind of just confused me to begin with because I couldn't think of an actual example where a team, like, in all honesty, though, I didn't, like, research this in its entirety, but just from my memory, I cannot recall a player or a a big-name-ish type, I mean, I guess it shouldn't matter if they're a a regular player or a big-name player, but I can't even recall a player who won summer finals and then was not on a team come spring uh, of next split. The only one that comes to mind, I guess, would be Jensen and Team Liquid, but... He went back to Cloud9 uh, in summer 2022, so. Yeah. And that also involved some, like, other shenanigans where Jensen was potentially going to roll swap, but then he didn't, so. Yeah, that that was a little weird. I wonder if what it is is, like, let's say there's no teams that want Jensen. We'll stick with Jensen with that example. If nobody wants Jensen, Riot will be like, hey, if you sign this player, we'll eat 75K of his salary so, like, people can sign that player for less. Like, kind of avoiding contract jail, right? So let's say Jensen, uh, he just won summer last year with Cloud9. Let's say Dignitas hadn't picked him up yet. Well, now Riot goes, okay, Dig, if you pick him up, we'll, we'll cover 75K of his salary or something like that. Maybe that's what it is? It, it definitely feels like it needs to be explained a little bit more. Like but at the same contract jail, right? That, yeah. Like that's that's what I get from this anyway. I but don't know if that's... but my initial point to begin with is I can only think of one example in the entire history of the LCS, and that was a special case in and of itself. Hmm. Okay. Um. And then the last one is to institute a three fifths roster continuity rule to provide players on released NACL rosters first priority in maintaining their slots in the upcoming NACL season if a majority continue to compete together. So let's say a team wins NACL and they get dropped by their org and three of the five players are going to continue to play together. They get a spot. Is that, that's my understanding. Well, it's not, that- it's not even if they win NACL, it's just for any team who is involved with NACL. Mm. Okay. So this doesn't require a win. This is just, if you were a team. Yeah, I mean, this one was also a little bit confusing just because the fact that you would have to maintain three out of the five players on that roster, yes, it can be a good thing in the case of teams who obviously have a lot of team synergy uh, and who play well together and have a history of playing well together. But for the most part, it'd be pretty difficult to, at the minimum, you know, if this was a requirement where three fifths of a released roster was given was now like first priority in maintaining their slots for the next split, like that's that's a lot of like guarantees of people who that were just staying. Yeah, like, I feel like in the developmental scene, part of the point of it is to have a high player turnover. Like, you know, yes, you want to use this scene to develop players, but it's not always going to work out. And 
you know, you see it in other developmental leagues, whether it's esports or digital sports, like there is so much like adding and dropping of players and changing of the rosters throughout the year. It's a little bit more difficult in league than it is other games because typically you need five players who play well together and usually you're going to be playing together for months at a time. But it does feel a bit awkward that we could get into situations where out of options to pick from players for orgs, like you have to take these three players. At, at the minimum, like these three players are like a package deal. You know what I'm saying? Also, I wonder if an org has to take them, though. Like maybe they can just join by themselves, right? Maybe this is like um, in like in relation to point number two, where it says like right to commit revenue pool for um, for 300K per team. So like even if they don't have a team sign them, they'll still get their minimum pay or whatever, right? Because a point number two you get what i'm saying so like they could just have their own org like wasn't there like no name or something uh that formed their own team yeah uh, no org. that was the team with like oh no org right yeah yeah, yeah. that was the um team. yeah 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 uh so maybe something like that is what this is in reference to um just so like hey we won nacl clearly we're good enough to at least play in the nacl so we should deserve to keep our spot and based off of last split nacl had like 16 teams so like Maybe it's not that big of a deal if there's more teams in the league, right? It's not like there's only a like it's not like LCS where you can only have ten teams, for example. NACL seems pretty open, so like they're saying, who cares if we're like the sixteenth team or whatever to join or to, or to be guaranteed a spot or whatever? Yeah, it just the last point and the first point feel like the most unlikely ones that would get met by Riot. It just feels so you like you think that... this one is unlikely to happen, though. Yeah, because I don't know. I I think it it gets it it elongates a situation that people already are not a fan of, which is old LCS veterans who end up sitting in academy, and you could end up in situations where, you know, I'm not going to say that players do this for a specific reason just to stay in academy, but if three players on a team of their dropped NACL roster, are like, oh yeah, we're playing together now, we're a package deal, like. You can't go after like those individual players. Like if you just want one guy from that team, you can't get that one guy. Like you have to take three of you have to take three of those five guys. Well, you don't have to, right? Maybe you do just want one of them, and you you're like one of the orgs that is in there already can just sign the one guy. Like I what's I don't understand what's wrong with that. Well, I, I guess the way I'm interpreting the rule is that like you have to take three out of the five players on that roster if the majority continue to like if they if the players choose to compete together, they become like a package deal. Like the, the I feel like the last point at the bottom is like if a majority continue to compete together. So like that's an active decision that the players would have to make to be like, oh yeah, we still want to play together, we want to stay in NACL. But now if you want one of those players, you have to take on, you know, three of them. Yeah, see, I, I'm not interpreting it that way, that you have to take three. But I, I don't know, maybe I'm not understanding completely. Like, if there's one player that really stood out, um, and you just want that one guy, you sign him to your team, and then... No, but but know, the, the, problem, go the, problem, the problem begins if the players themselves have already made an agreement that, hey, we want to stay together and play together. That's the whole point of right. the rule. Like if, if the roster continuity rule was a rule, if those players actively discussed amongst themselves and said, hey, we want to play together. Now, any teams who want to pick up those three players are automatically you have to take them all, basically. I see. I, I guess I'm not really seeing any other way you could interpret it. And especially just like reading the comments on, you know, Twitter. It seems like that's the understanding as well. But OK, well, I, I'm just reading Twitter replies here, but 
I got yeah, that. Yeah. I got that from the get go. So yeah, I, I get you. I get yeah. Um. Anyways, I, if I were to guess, the only one that I think is unlikely, or that like I see Riot saying absolutely not, is the first point. With, yeah, the, which is the, the first uh, one is never going one. to happen. Like I, I'm sorry, LCS PA, but like that that is never going to happen. I could see the other four happening. Uh, the last one again, maybe I don't have a full understanding, so that one I'm a little less confident on. But I, I could see, I, like I think they're all pretty reasonable on here. And so I guess um, maybe we should ask the question, J&T, with these points, do you think there will be League of, League of Legends in North America on June 1st? Well, it's difficult to say because it seems like the community perception, and I guess I shouldn't say community perception, the, the perception of some of the more informed people within the LCS, and I mean more informed like the journalists and the people who have sources and whatnot, they seem to think that we're at about a coin flip here in terms <laughs> yeah. of if it's going to happen or if it's not going to happen. Because, you know, Phil Aram, the head of the LCSPA, said that if they get 26 out of 50 votes, there is not going to be any games being played. That It was not a 100% guarantee that he said on social media, but to me, I took it as like a basically 100% chance that if they get the votes, games are not being played. So here's why I think it's likely there are going to be games June 1st. Um, they either don't walk out, which is the one side of the coin, right? And then the games are happening. Or what if they do walk out and the LCS is just waiting to find out that, okay, they did vote to walk out. So like, here, we'll give you a little bit of this, you know, like I'm sure that as the owners and the, and Riot heard that they were planning a walkout, they probably got together and said, look, we need to be ready to give them options that we're willing to, to, to bend on if they do vote for this walkout. And maybe it's point two and three, and we'll give you that. And maybe the players accept that. So, like, there's a world that there is a, a walkout tomorrow, but that they actually fix it in time to start on June first. I realize that's a very short amount of time, but the point is, it has to be at least fifty percent plus the little bit of chance of there being a walkout plus the league still starting on time. You get what I'm saying? Mm. If if I had to make a personal prediction, I would think that this could get resolved before the beginning of the summer split. You know, when, when all this stuff from the PA came out to begin with, um, the head of the PA, Phil Aram, he said that them and Riot, for the most part, had a pretty good relationship and their ability to sort of handle things behind closed doors. And, you know, the only, you know, once again, when, when this whole thing came up to begin with, the reason that they had to take this public was because Riot was blatantly lying to them and ignoring them and in their, in their minds were destroying the future of the league. So they kind of took it to the public as a last resort. That was their red line issue, as he called it. So I yeah. would still think that there is the possibility for this to get peacefully resolved before the season starts. And if I had to make a prediction, I would say that the games do get played on the first, but I don't have a ton of confidence in saying that because it seems to be that it's about 50-50. I'm about in the same area as you. I, I still think games will happen June 1st, but I'm not like super confident. Um, that's just what I would guess. And the other thing is, so I'll also say that even though I still think games will happen June 1st, I also still think it's likely that the walkout happens because I think this is a very important moment for players to be like, look, you can't keep doing, like, you can't just change these rules on us last second, like what, two weeks or something before the split is going to start or two or three weeks or less than a month, whatever it is, um, without like, you know, coming to the table and talking with us. Like, that's not cool. And for that alone, it's really important for the players to kind of stand up here and say, like, hell no, don't do that. 
and I and the other thing is I don't think they're like I said I don't think they're asking for that much. Um, mind you, the the okay, we like we said, the, ignoring yeah, the first the point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ignoring the first point. I don't think that they're asking for too much, and I don't think the LCS PA is gonna require every single one of these points to move on with games on June first. So m- maybe I'm you know way too optimistic. Maybe I'm just ready to go for summer split, and I'm like. A little naive perhaps 24 hours from now blue jay will look and be looking at this blue jay as an absolute dumbass and uh that that is possible we, we've looked like dumbasses before on this podcast i just the first time but. i don't know I, I just personally think that the lcs would really be shooting themselves in the foot if they let this walkout happen well, that's the other thing, too, is like the LCS is not in a good spot right now. I feel the like both of it parties really want to be able to. Yeah, both parties really want to come together here because I think both parties can probably acknowledge that this is not a good time to not have games happening. Like people have already stopped watching the LCS, a lot of them. And yes, I know there's still a lot of people watching as well, but a lot of the viewership has fallen off a strike or a walkout or whatever the hell you want to call it and no games happening for your summer split is it's just not a good look. Yeah. And I mean, like small point here, but summer is, you know, we talk about does ring split matter? Like summer is the split that re- it truly matters. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no one ever asks if summer split matters. Everyone's on the same page there. <laughs> I, I would think we'd be in a potentially different scenario if this was happening in spring than summer. Cause I think the urgency for this to get resolved is multiplied because this is summer yeah and i guess the the last thing i'll say on it is i I, people are probably wondering why we're recording this before the vote it's because uh, it's not very clear that even at the vote at 11 30 p.m est that like maybe they vote but it's probably not even made public or maybe it's made public we don't know so that's why we didn't wait to to have this conversation uh, after the vote because who knows when the hell we're going to find out and i know a lot of you guys are always asking us to get that content for you monday mornings so uh, that's why we're doing it now, and hopefully we get this episode up in time, which we probably should. Well, well what I will say is that if, if they announce that there is a strike or a walkout, you'll, you'll, you'll hear some thoughts from us when that happens. Yeah, well, d- depending, right? There's, there's a decent chance that we do a, a 126.5 episode if we feel like we need to. Or, I mean, otherwise, if we don't, you'll just hear our thoughts next week, right? So yeah. there's that, um, which you can do. By going over to twitch.tv slash podcast if you want to catch us live. And if you want the episode to jump in your feed on YouTube, you can subscribe. That's a very good way to make that happen as well. Hit the bell, hit the like button, leave a comment, all that stuff. It helped us tremendously, guys. So please do that. Please do that. Jinter, mm-hmm. is it time for power rankings? The meat and potatoes of this thing. So here, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll flash them up on the screen in a hot second, and I'll give the folks a rundown of... I'll I'll read them out for the audio people, and I'll I'll tell them our. It'll give me a chance to digest because yeah. I have not seen J and T's as per normal protocol. So they are on the screen now. I'll read them out for the audio only people. For myself, I have Cloud Nine One, FlyQuest Two, Team Liquid Three, Hundred Thieves Four, Golden Guardians Five, NRG Six, EG Seven, Immortals Eight, Dig Nine, TSM Ten. Uh, for Blue Jay, he has Cloud9 1, Golden Guardians 2, FlyQuest 3, 100 Thieves 4, NRG 5, Team Liquid 6, EG 7, Dig 8, Immortals 9, and then TSM 10. So we'll get it out the way right now. As you can see, I have Team Liquid as the third place team. 
Yes. And I have Golden Guardians as the fifth place team. But but let's remind the people our power rankings for how we believe these teams will be at at the end of the summer split. Right. So that means we both have Cloud9 winning the split. Yeah. Um, if people are wondering why I'm laughing when I'm looking at this list is before we went live, J&T said, I think I have one that's going to surprise you. And I'm laughing because I don't know if it's the TL one or the Golden Guardians one that he was referring to. I guess it's both of them. So, <laughs> Okay. Uh, should we just go by your list or like, I don't care what list we go by. We'll just go in the order of yours because it's, I don't know, the first list there. Yeah, I want to start at the bottom. Oh, okay. So we're starting with TSM. For two reasons. One, because TSM is probably the obvious 10th place team. But two, they got insanity. They got the juice. So, like, maybe they won't be 10th place. Okay. Well, (laughs) they do got the juice. People won't really understand that meme. What Um, do you mean? I'll I'll bring it I'll put it on screen right now. Please do. I was hoping you would have that. I was really hoping you would have that ready. Uh, For the listeners, you'll have to describe that one to them, J&T. So if people forget, in lockdown season, when Insanity was on Immortals, um, this was in summer 2020, there was just a random clip of Insanity drinking orange juice out of a full, like, carton during a game, and it was absolutely hilarious, and that's when I be- officially became a big Insanity fan. Yeah, JNT and I had this meme of Insanity got the juice. And, uh, well, I mean, that mega jug of orange juice is uh, the reason why he's got the juice. Now, TSM, okay, we put them 10th, so that means we should probably try to back up why we don't have faith in them. I guess the the low-hanging fruit, the obvious one, is the Ruby thing. We don't even know, like, if he's going to come back and play. Uh, Then you also have Insanity, who hasn't played in the LCS for, what, a whole, like, year or something? Year and a half now, I believe. So... Even though we might be fans of Insanity, we can acknowledge that like when he was last in the LCS, he didn't have that great of a split. And then having the year off, sometimes that can be good for a player, actually. Like we've seen guys like Contracts, for example, or Dokla. We've seen guys come back to the LCS and they're better than they were before. The problem with Insanity is that like, well, it's not even just with Insanity. The problem is that it's not ex- exactly common for a guy to go from Academy and go up to the LCS and just start popping off. It, it, it doesn't happen all that much. So that's one of the things that's holding me back personally from having a lot of faith in this roster. Not to mention Turtle wasn't exactly the greatest. Uh, Chime, even though I think he's still a young player and got room to improve, I would argue that he wasn't one of the greatest supports either. Uh Maple to me was one of their best players. One of the reasons why they were getting wins. Maple's Talia was pog. They're losing that. So there's, I guess, a few areas that I could point to that I'm like, uh oh. Yeah, the main thing, one of the reasons that I just had TSM dead last as opposed to other teams like Immortals and Dignitas, who I think for the most part, when you look at their rosters, they're all very similar. But in TSM's case, their identity as a team is like flipped on its head completely with the changes that they made in the offseason. Losing Maple, and whether it's going to be Ruby or Insanity, and then losing Solo for Hauntzer, I just think that the way that the team functioned before, it was very obvious that you throw Solo on a weak side top lane tank, you have Maple playing this... I, don't, I feel like there's... I need a word for these types of champions, but he likes to play the Swain, the Talia, the Galio, not like supportive champions, but ones that were very proactive, and I guess you could call them roaming champions if if we want to use that, but... Maple puts a lot of focus into roaming and creating an impact outside of just his lane. And you then sub in Hauntzer and Ruby slash Insanity to this equation. And Insanity is purely a control mage player. Like that's his bread and butter. 
He's not really good at anything outside of that, in my opinion, after watching a lot of Insanity. Um, and Ruby is kind of the same thing. He was mostly playing control mages on Team Heretics, and you know a lot of that team was pretty much like, if Yankos can carry the game, they win the game. If Yankos can't carry, then they lose the game. So I, okay. I just think that with TSM, they're going to have to find a new identity, and I just don't think that they're going to they're gonna have the time to even figure it out. And especially with the mid lane situation, you know, we might have insanity for five games and then Ruby comes in and it could just, I, I'm in, I'm in viewing a, a shit show. Well, and another thing I would say as well is like, didn't they lose like all of their coaching staff or whatever? Like they do I, have I a completely new coaching into, staff. I don't know how much to read into a new coach, like one new coach. Sure. But like, didn't they have a bunch of them before or, or am I wrong in that? Well, they had Chawi and some other guys who were all from the PCS, but those guys are no longer on the staff and it's Rebin, former Cloud9 assistant coach. And I don't know if he brought in other people from Cloud9 because there was no announcements from that, but it was only him was announced. Okay. Um, and I guess the last thing I'll say on TSM is that it's not impossible for this team to pick up wins. Like, Hanser, when he was subbed back in, looked pretty good. Boogie had some good performances as well. It's not completely doomed. It just feels like there's a lot to overcome here uh, for TSM to really show up. And, and, I mean, I think making playoffs would be a surprise. If they went, like, eighth or something like that, I don't think that would be too outlandish. It's just somebody's got to go in the 10 spot, and they have a few reasons that you can doubt them. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I kind of have 8 through 10 somewhat grouped together in terms of skill level, but when you look at, you know, continuity and how a team is going to look and function, TSM is towards the bottom of, of those spectrums. Yeah, so there's that whole, uh, okay, that whole tier, uh, yeah, that whole tier of teams, I guess. Next one would be Dignitas, if we're going by your list. You have Dignitas 9, I have Dignitas 8. So, it seems like we're both... Uh, still lacking in some faith in this team, but they were dead last, last split. So yeah. something has given us more faith. I'll, I'll let you start with this one. Well, if we want to cope for Dignitas a little bit, part, they did start the season 0-9, but they won four games by the end of it? Is that correct? They won either three or four three. games. Let me check. I'll check. I think it's three, though. But they are kind of in a similar situation to TSM where there's a lot of changes to this roster going from spring to summer. Three wins, Blue Jay says. Uh, no yeah. more Armut. They have Rich in the top lane. Uh, no, no more Spawn. Tomo is continuing to start in summer. And now they have Diamond replacing Ignar. So pretty much yeah. apart from Jensen and Santorin, it's really difficult to gauge the roster. You know, Rich... I feel like Rich is one of those players where he could come in and be like a summit type guy and absolutely smash the league, or he could be the opposite summit, which is, you know, end of spring summit where he's just inting his face off. Yeah, I, I think Rich is admittedly the biggest question mark for us because I I think the last time I watched him play was like a Nungshim in I don't know, like two years ago or something like that. So admittedly, I don't remember a lot about this guy. I, I guess I just have a bad feeling when you hear like the hype around this guy is that he's the goat of uh yeah. of hots. <laughs> like what is like okay, maybe he is the goat of hots, but like having played in the LCK, there has to be something better to say about him from like the LCK I feel like I should have heard something better about this guy. Um but uh, okay, aside from that, the the players that we do have more information on, like Jensen, for example, I didn't think that had that good of a split. 
Do I think he's capable of a bounce back? Yes. But like towards even the end of the split, once they had gotten rid of Spawn, who was like holding them back, no offense, for like the first half of the split, Jensen didn't exactly look all that great once they got rid of like one of their biggest problems. So to me, I'm looking at Jensen as like, hey, you got to be better, man, because Jensen should be better. Santorin, I still thought didn't play that bad. So that's a piece that you've got there. Uh, Diamond, it's been a while. I don't have much to say. And Tomo looked okay, right? When he went in, like Tomo didn't look great. But at the same time, who's going to on a 3-15 and 15 team? Like, eh, yeah. you know? If, um, if it's relevant at all, Tomo and Jensen played together on C9 for a little bit. Yeah, Who knows? I, I guess Maybe the, the, that was like some influence for their starting support. Maybe Jensen was like, I want to have Diamond on this team. And if that is the case, I always think that when you have teams like that, where players are vocal about who they want to play with, usually for the most part, it, it, it's a good thing because they play, those players could already have like built-in synergy from playing in the past and... They just think that they're a good player and can help the team get in a direction because one of the problems with Dignitas last split was basically what I was describing. I think will happen to TSM this split is like going into last year, Dig or going into last split, like this was a team where none of the players had ever played together. I guess Jensen and did Jensen, no, the Jensen and Santor never played together. Yeah, they never played. Not on TL? No, they hadn't. Oh. Yeah. But none of those players had ever played together. You had tons of question marks in Armut and Spawn because we had no idea what Spawn was and Armut's been on the decline for like two years now. So I just think that we're, we're kind of entering the split with similar questions where we're hoping that Santorin and Jensen can carry the load for this team. But we have big question marks in Rich and Diamond who, you know, you talk about Diamond, we haven't seen him in the LCS in a year and a half. And when we did see him, he wasn't that great. Sorry, bro, but... Yeah, so for the record, Jensen and Santorin did play together in 2021 on TL. Did by they? the way, I'm just looking at the yeah. I'm looking at the the wiki here. Um I guess the last thing I'll say is the reason why I have some faith is I'm looking at Santorin. I'm leaning mostly I mean faith. Guys, I got them eight oh, here. Yeah. Um the reason why I'm having more faith in, in them over Immortals and TSM is like I actually think Santorin's early games are kind of a win con for this team. He, even when they were looking pretty damn bad, Santorin still looked pretty good and was getting some ganks out and getting some advantages. I just think it was really difficult to cash in on those advantages when the first half of the split, their bot lane didn't really exist. And, well, no offense to Armut, but Armut didn't really do much of anything either. So it's like he had one lane to work off of. Jensen didn't even look that good. I, I guess Santorin, that's my, that's my reasoning for putting them eighth as one guy. And then, I guess, moving on to Immortals, I had them eighth, you had them ninth. Um, similar... Yeah. I mean, I guess if I want to use my, I guess my main reasoning for putting Immortals 8th over the likes of Dignitas and TSM was because I do think that with the roster that they have on paper, I can sort of see what this team is going to look like. And I think they will go into summer with, you know, an identity, if we want to call it that, you know, Balulu, I was really impressed with him for the four games that we saw him in LCS. He looked like he could hold his own against every mid laner that he played. Had some really good performances, even in losses. The one to point out was that Velkaz game against TSM. Um, and uh, Tactical and Treats. I mean, if Tactical is going to do something to save his career, this has got to be the time. Playing with Treats, a guy he played with back in 2020 on TSM Academy. Now is his time. The Tactical Redemption arc is here. I'm here for it. Let's go. The this the sad thing I hate to have to bring this up, but I think it's we have to keep bringing it up is that like we are kind of surprised that Tactical is still getting another shot at the LCS because I mean I don't know how to 
say this, I'll just say it. He hasn't been good. Like he's been quite bad for over a year now, right? Like how many chances does a guy I would, get? More than maybe like you could say two years now. Regardless, it's been a while and I'm surprised that he's still getting another crack. I am with you in saying like, if there's a guy to make it happen, it's probably treats. Um, and if, so there are some things to be excited about with this team. You mentioned Balulu looked really good, right? On the flip side of it, he didn't really play that many games. What happens when you ban Belkaz and, and Zoe Perma, right? Like, I don't know. I didn't see much about him. I was very happy with how he played, but like, I need to see a little bit more. Didn't he only play like four? Played six four or games. Eight games? If I, pretty sure it was four. It was just the last four yeah. games. So, so like, there's two sides of the coin there, right? There's like, okay, he was popping off, but then there's like, okay, well, it was only four games. Uh, Solo, like, he was an absolute rock for TSM. He was probably one of the bigger surprises of the summer of spring split at the same time. Except Solo, for... once again, not going, not being able to stick on a team long enough. He got benched. We don't really know why. It might have been because he inted really hard that one game, although I get the feeling that there was probably some disagreements going on because there's no way to me that he got benched on TSM for having one really, really bad game where most of the spring split, he was actually pretty solid. Um, so I, I get the feeling that there was some more issues and that's solo is good. That's going to follow him no matter what team he goes to is like, yeah. is this guy going to be able to get along with the other players? Because he keeps getting kicked off teams, man. That, that, that hundred T versus TSM game is that was the official cause of solos release from TSM. That might have been the int of the split. Was there a bigger int? No, Nile, Niles on Pantheon. Niles on Pantheon. He was like 09. I said of the split. Oh, oh of the okay. Split. Um, I don't know. But, you, uh, I mean, you could throw a tactical performance in there. Tactical? I'm trying to think now. Like a Spawn? Who, it, wait, it, surely it's it's got to be JoJo on one of those games where he ran it the fuck mm, down. True. Or, or you could even say like MNS on Victor against Golden Guardians, that game. Jojo was doing his best to give like a couple of performances a crack at the biggest into the. It split, might be actually. it might be Jojo on that Rise game where he was like 06. Start yeah. the game. Yeah, I would I, say the biggest inter across the split has to be Jojo, but the biggest int performance of one game, I might still give it to Solo because that one was. Anyways, dude, that that Pantheon 09 Niles game is like burned into my head of how bad that shit was. That's why when you had like worse else, I was like insta like it came up into my mind. Okay. Um, anything else on this team? Kenvi didn't have a terrible split. Nothing like, I don't know. Like, I'm not super excited about Kenvi. I guess maybe, okay, maybe I'm a little bit more excited about Kenvi because, like, I think he has better players to play with. I didn't, everyone knows the last roster that they played in spring, I had zero faith in that team. I gave them an over under of two and a half wins on the split. Um, I don't think I forgot about we that have game. Any team, like, I don't think we have any team going into summer that I have getting less than two and a half wins like i think every team should probably get at least four maybe five i could see that yeah i i one thing i will i think the middle of the pack is very very competitive very competitive yeah i i had a hard time with power rankings although that's not uncommon i pretty much have a hard time with every power rankings that we do uh who's next on your list well we got both of us at eg at seven so uh, big changes to the EG lineup, as we've mentioned before. Uh, Revenge in the top lane, Armeo in the jungle, Jojo remaining mid, Unforgiven ADC coming over from 100 Thieves Challengers, previously Mad Lions in the LEC, and Ayla support. So I always hate, I hate to use this argument, but I'm going to use it here because I just think it applies. I think this EG lineup has to be the hungriest. 
And okay. the reason why I hate that is because like every team's kind of hungry. But like, is there legit not a pl- like? There's is there a player on this team that like wouldn't seriously want to prove themselves? Revenge, you finally got some decent players to play with, right? Like he's been, you know, Armeo, you're back in the LCS. Like this is your crack, buddy. This might be your last shot. Jojo Pion freaking ran it down last split. He needs a bounce back. Unforgiven has been like waiting to play LCS. You know, he came over and had to sit behind double lift. And not that that's like, I totally agree with playing double lift, but like he probably really wanted to play. This is your shot. You're getting another shot. And then Ayla, hello. You just got traded for Vulcan. You just got your job stolen, bro. <laughs> yeah no but i i definitely agree with you like all of these players like they all have something to prove going into next but like you know you, you hear the term in traditional sports like it's a contract year for for some player because you know, they're going into the last year of their contract and they need a good performance to solidify their 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 career basically and i feel like you you could easily say that about every single situation for players on this team revenge he is kind of reaching, in my opinion, like his last legs of like, you got to prove it now. Like you got to prove you belong in LCS and you got to prove that team should invest you invest in you for the long term. Armeo, as you mentioned, he's been up and down from LCS for the past four to five years and he hasn't really been given. Uh, when I mean, he did play LCS on TL that one year because Santorin had the headache stuff. That was the year that he played, right? Armeo played that year. Well, I mean, he played on, you know, TSM way back in the day, and there was that whole, like, Greg Acadian speak, uh, and then he was the backup for TL for... He played a little bit in the regular season and played the finals weekend. The point that I wanted to make, though, is that when he did play LCS, like, he belonged. Like, to me, it wasn't like, oh, you got to get rid of this guy. He might not have been the best jungler in the league, but he was an LCS jungler. I just realized, I think I've been saying Greg slash Armeo. Like, I've been using them interchangeably. I'll have to commit Armeo to memory, but... Um, I was about to say something. It was about to be genius. Sorry, I, I did cut you off. But I guess just a quick reminder for people. Yeah, just in case that's not clear. Armeo is Grig. I know most people will know, but maybe if there's some old LCS fans that come back and are like, who is this guy? You'll remember him as Grig. Um, I, I remember I remember what I was going to say, but at, at, at any at all points when this guy has been in the LCS, he's looked LCS level. I, I feel like this is a guy who's somewhat similar to Hanser, where... Monster was kind of out of the LCS for a little while when he didn't find a team after Golden Guardians in season 10. But when he was playing it, he was still a good player. Like it didn't look like he didn't belong. And he was the sole cause of a team's, you know, dysfunction or reason they were losing games. Like this guy to me always felt LCS level. One of the reasons why I think he, I'm glad that he's in the LCS and same with Armeo. Like every time that I've ever watched him play, he's, he's been LCS level, whether it was Echo Fox way back in the day and then TSM and Team Liquid and any of the subbing that he might have done in between for Academy slash Challenger League team. So, yeah. And Unforgiven, this, I'm, I'm hype on this guy. I thought this guy was, I thought this guy was the best AD in 2022 on Mad Lions. Really, eh? In that summer split when he was like one tricking Draven and just killing everybody. Yes, yeah. That's the problem that I had was the one tricking, right? Uh, Hansama one tricks Draven. That guy fucking everybody loves that guy. So I'm just saying. Hansama like, plays other things too, though. He played, he looked really good on the Jinx at MSI. Like Hansama, I think of playing, I've seen Hansama pop off on more than I have Unforgiven. But I'm just um, saying, like, that guy's also synonymous to Draven. And everybody's like, when that guy gets Draven, he's going to carry and, and, and with you Unforgiven. Know what? In- in fairness, you don't really see a lot of Draven bans. And so if the champion's open and you have success on it, all the power to you. So, um, yeah, maybe maybe I am a little bit too skeptical, whereas maybe I should have a little bit more faith. Um, uh, what was the last thing that I wanted to say? 
Uh, oh, yeah. The the other thing that I wanted to say on this team is, like, even though I have them seventh, I guess we both have them seventh, is, like, there's still a part of me that's, like, okay, I could see this team punching above their weight. Like, if this team made playoffs, I wouldn't be that surprised. Um, th- the only problem is it's a bunch of new players that I don't even know if any of them have played together before, so that's kind of a concern. Uh, Revenge, I didn't think didn't have, I, I didn't think had that great of a split last split. I know other people, all the LCS pros seem to have a lot of trust in this guy. Me personally, I haven't seen it yet. Um, New age golden blue. And I guess one of the good things, though, is apparently Jojo Pion is just hard grinding in Korea right now. Um, Yeah, he was like... I guess he was really high rank or something. He hit like rank six in like three weeks of being there or something. Or maybe not rank. He hit like... He hit a very... I think it was like top 20 maybe in three weeks of being Mm -hmm. there. It was a pretty significant achievement. For the I little time the, he was boot camping. The six number sounds familiar to me. So maybe that's accurate. I don't know. But the point is, I think Jojo again, dude, the hungry, the hungry argument is so fugazi, but like, I'm still throwing it out there here. This team is hungry. I could see them punching above their weight. I, I think it's way more likely that this team places higher than seventh than lower than seventh, despite me having them in the seventh spot. It was, yeah. He tweeted saying rank six Korea in three weeks. And Buster Boy helping us in the live chat saying he got the challenger with like a 65% win rate. So that is also pretty good. Yeah, but he's also one tricking R and that fucking champ is god tier broken. For the love of God, they need to nerf that fucking champion. I hate that champion with a burning passion. I absolutely hate it. I really feel. Okay, uh, NRG next. You have them six, I have them five. Uh, I know people probably are aware this is CLG, now NRG. We even updated our background. Shout out, Luis. Yep. Um, they do have some changes to the roster. Uh, FBI and Ignar coming in for Luger and Poom. Topside staying the same with Dokla, Contracts, and Palafox. I think I'm kind of... I think I'm kind of... With this team, I kind of view it to how you view EG, where if there is a team that I think that can sort of punch above their weight, it would be this team, and... I think a lot of that does have to do with upgrades. I guess I should say perceived upgrades they're making in the bot lane. I yeah. was initially very impressed with Luger and Poom when they first came to the LCS, but to me, it just felt like they didn't really improve that much throughout their time starting on CLG. I think one of the reasons why I was so high on them to begin with is because they were very good at playing non-meta bot lanes and mage bot lanes. They were doing a lot of Seraphine bot lane, if I remember correctly. They were doing a lot of Senna lanes uh, in bot lane. Um, so I just was overall really impressed with the flexibility that Luger and Poom had. And considering that Luger, especially in his first split in CLG, carried a lot of games, I was kind of excited for his future, but he really has just felt pretty average for the most part since. And I, I think the reason is people feel like his success that he had last year just didn't carry over into this year. And it would have been a really good year for him to do that with how much better their mid jungle looked, right? Like contracts and Palafox had really good splits and everyone was really happy with how they were performing. And it's like, man, if we just got the Luger and Poom of last year, this exactly, team could have really yeah. gone on a run. This team could have been going to MSI for us, right? So um, that's one of the reasons why I, I think people are a little bit more hyped on them. I almost put them fourth. I, I didn't. Instead, I had them fifth, but I almost put them fourth. Would that have been too crazy? No, because I almost had them fifth over GG. So, yeah. And I guess one of the reasons why I feel good about this uh, roster being an upgrade is I thought Poom looked pretty bad. It seems like Ignar is going to be the support going in. Uh, really good with Engage. And I think CLG is a team that plays pretty heavy on we're going in. Uh, so I think that's a good match, Ignar going to that team. And 
Jinter, what do I keep saying about FBI pretty much this whole year? I think you might know what I'm about to say about him. That he's heavily underrated? That he puts out fucking damage. And yes, oh. he is underrated. He, is he, does, he does put out damage. Yeah, I've, I've said that countless times on this, ep or on this uh, show, rather. That, like, this guy does what you want out of an AD carry. And don't get me wrong, I don't have him as number one, two, or three AD carries. It's really easy to forget about a, a, this AD carry when you have Double Lift and Prince and Berserker in the league, right? It's Those are the big names in the league. I just think that FBI shouldn't be overlooked because he is still pretty damn good. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I could see NRG actually uh, punching above their weight as well, but I figured for now I'll just ease on the brakes and put them in the, the safe five spot. Unfortunately, I, I got to disagree with Big Buster Boy in the chat here saying support on NRG worse, I think. I big, a big disagree for me. I think that yeah, if I, we... I disagree as the, well. The Ignar flavor that he adds to teams, yes, we haven't seen it as of late because he was on, what, Immortals and Dignitas were his last two teams? Jesus Christ. I'm surprised that guy didn't fucking leave NA at this point. I'm glad that he got on a team like NRG, but I think you bring the Ignar flavor to this team. Already, this team has a big focus on early game and team fighting, which are... I would argue is Ignar's two biggest strengths is his ability to make plays in the early game if you get him on these proactive champions and then his team fighting. The dude is like the flanking god. So, and I'm, I'm expecting the support meta to be pretty similar to what we've seen now. Maybe it goes like Enchanter-ish with Milio and Yumi coming back, but I'm still expecting that we're going to see stuff like Thresh, stuff like uh, uh, Rakan. His Rakan is, mm -hmm. is beast. That's one thing. That's like, okay, no offense to Poom, his Rakan, not that good. Wait, Ignar's Rakan is better than Poom's and Rakan. we're I even pretty damn confident. We're there. even seeing some Alistar sprinkled in here and there. We saw it at MSI, so that's another Ignar top tier champ. Okay. Uh, last thing I'll say before we move on is Dokla. This is your split, buddy. You got to be more responsible in that top lane. I still have faith that Dokla can do it. We just haven't seen it for a little while. Uh, he plays a little bit crazy, which I like, but he's got to understand when he's weak side. And I think, I guess what I'm saying is, I think it's pretty clear where Dokla needs to improve. And hopefully, if it's pretty clear, him and his teammates and his coaches and all that see it the same way and they can help him out with that because I think he's just one specific issue away from being a really solid top laner. So that, that's something else to, to point to. Yep. Uh, what's next? There's a lot of places we can go with this. Um, let's do 100 Thieves because we both had them at four. Be like, okay. Once we get into the next few teams, we obviously have a big, uh, a big, del a big delta in between there. So... Okay. Um, Hundred Thieves at four. Um, changes to this roster. Uh, obviously, someday coming in to replace Tenacity. He's the Hall of Famer. If Hundred Thieves is back, uh, closer in the jungle. Quid in the mid lane. Double lift and Busio still in the bot lane. So okay, where I'm excited is I do like the idea of Busio having like you know his feet are definitely wet now. He you know dipped his toes in in spring. I can see this guy having worked with Doublelift for the last four or five months or whatever, six months maybe. I could see Busio looking better now that he's got more time under his belt. I thought he was very inconsistent. He looks really good some games, really bad some others. I'm expecting more consistency out of him. I do think that we didn't see that many signs of good out of Tenacity, and so I, I understand why he got replaced and why Busio didn't. So I, I do have faith in the bot lane. Um, I guess the other thing is, too, Sunday is like... I guess I just have trust in Sunday someday coming back to 100 Thieves, having played with Closer before. That's something that makes me feel good about this team. 
the, the question mark is obviously the mid lane. I don't know what to think about the mid lane. Well, I mean, like, we don't even know if he's going to be here. There was some maybe not super reliable rumors that we heard a couple of weeks ago saying that Quid could get delayed coming into NA uh, with some visa problems, but we haven't heard we haven't heard anything as of late. So he is currently inactive on the status thing on the global contract database. What do you mean? He's inactive. Still inactive. I don't know. They have it highlighted as inactive. Like, for like he's example, not under contract. Closer, uh, he's, I don't know how to say it. Like, so they have all the names, right? It says someday top laner. They have his name there signed through November 21, 2023. They have quid on here mid his name, uh, November 19th, 2024, but it says non-resident and inactive under the status part. So I guess that means his visa hasn't come in yet. Interesting. I, I just went to the, database and see that as well so yeah you see what i'm saying so like yeah maybe that's active on june 1st but you know what maybe it's not and we haven't heard who the mid laner is yet uh only guy i could say is maybe nuke duck goes in because i don't think it's bjergsen <laughs> i guess i would say that that probably is accurate because i'm just quickly scrolling through all of the other players that have the inactive next to them and a lot of them are ones who are likely needing to get visas. Um, uh, yes, yeah, some of them. Yeah, some of them that. include coaches like Coach Kane, who's Korean. Um, Duffman is from EU on Cloud Nine now, so presumably, I know he was with them at MSI, but probably has to work on getting his visa to come to NA. Um, who else is? Who else says they still got Niles on here, eh? What? They have him as retired. XD. Niles. XD. Yeah. He's still on here. His contract ends uh, November 21st of this year. So I guess mm. Niles won't be on there for much longer. But yeah, his name's still on there. Blaze Olive's there too. Retired. Yeah. Olive is retired. Copy, it says retired. So. Man, people were pissed when that guy announced his retirement like a week or two ago. Because he was like supposed to be like the next big NA mid laner since we haven't had well, any since Poe Belter, basically. Maybe he changes his mind with like, Hopefully. like it looked a lot worse. Like, I don't know about you. We'll talk about NACL in a little bit, but for me a week ago, I was a lot more like doomer thinking on NACL than I am now. Like I was thinking we might only have six teams, mm. but uh, that's a, that's a conversation for later. Perhaps. There's, yeah. There's not too much more to add for me on the 100 Thieves side. I definitely agree with everything you said about Busio and then the tandem of someday and closer, especially because when someday was most recently on 100 Thieves, the best part of that team was both Someday and Closer. So I know Someday, I would say he underperformed relative to expectations in the spring split, Agreed. but he didn't yeah. look terrible by any means. It wasn't like he was super below the level of, you know, apart from Fudge, all those other guys near the top, like Summit, Someday, and uh, Impact, they were, they were all in the same tier, basically. And, and Fudge wasn't even that far ahead of those guys. But someday, I said this before, someday doesn't have tenacity now because they, before they were running that six-man roster and it was like once they announced tenacity was going to be sharing time or whatever, suddenly it looked like someday had a fire lit under his ass. We'll have to see if things change. If, if someday has a bad split, it's confirmed. I, I mean, not literally confirmed, but we'll just pretend it's confirmed. He needs tenacity and he's, he needs tenacity to, uh, to be a little buddy to try to yoink his spot. Um, yeah, I could also see, I could still see 100 Thieves um, underperforming as well. I did put them in the four spot, but like their last split wasn't that good. Um, Bjergsen wasn't exactly the greatest. Mid like we've seen better out of Bjergsen. So like maybe you get an upgrade over mid, but like that, the thing is the mid lane still such a big question mark that I don't know if like 
mid's going to be worse now, mid's going to be better. Yeah, it, it's hard to say because if we think, you know, I, I would say if we look at MNS and Gory as examples, if Quid comes in with a similar, like, if Quid comes in and performs quite similar to how MNS and Gory did when they first came in, I still think that Quid's going to be really good. Like, when I when I first brought his name up, I told the people, like, don't forget, like, this guy's been playing under Chovy for the last year and a half. Like, if you want anybody to be, you know, your understudy, basically, or, or you want any, you want to be the backup for somebody, like, you want to be Chovy's backup because you'll be watching that guy for... Fair enough. Hours and hours and hours every day. Yep, that is a fair argument. Uh, where are we going next? Um, let's do Team Liquid next. You had them at okay. the six spot. I had them at the three spot. So, I if... originally had them fifth, and I swapped them in NRG. I swapped them. So, if people recall, near the end of the spring split, I had a lot of faith in Team Liquid. I thought that they were actually going to make playoffs. Um, I despite all of the struggles that we saw from them in the spring split, I am still confident that this we are going to see a better version of Team Liquid going into the summer split with less mistakes from the younger players of Jan and Harry and more consistency out of the top lane in Summit, which we saw. You know, his first yep. four weeks in, in Team Liquid were, holy crap, they were god they were we, god awful been defending him right like we've been defending summit that like look he was running it down the first half of spring but like towards the end he actually yeah. looked a lot better and everyone seemed to still think that he was still running it down and it was like they were no longer losing games strictly because of summit anymore in the second half and i think that's something worth noting if you take away those i mean it's always i, I but it, you don't look at those first four games of the split summit was one of the best ops in the league he was right there behind fudge and impact in my opinion so which like you can't completely do that i know you know this but like you yeah. can't completely like oh just erase all the bad games the point is like he did seem to kind of find his game and that's a pretty good sign the only problem is and why i still have them six on my list is like that wasn't their only problem like piosic didn't look that good harry and yon didn't look that good so there was a few issues the they did end up, so we weren't sure if they were going to make swaps or any changes on this team. And we said, like, maybe there's a world where they keep the roster together and they keep that whole we're going to outwork everybody thing. Looks like they went with that. Have they been outworking everyone? I don't know. Uh, I certainly hope so. Yeah, I can't. I don't know if they've been boot camping in Korea. I know 100 Thieves, I know 100 Thieves has been boot camping in Korea for a while. I mean, I assume they're back now, but they were in Korea for quite a long time. Hmm. Yeah, I, would, I, I don't know myself. I, I would have to assume that Team Liquid went to Korea to boot camp. Their whole fucking team is Korean. Like, surely they did, yeah. no? Well, and if they say they're going to work hard, I would imagine they go to Korea as well. Or maybe they could have gone to... Um, uh, they could have gone to scrim some of the... Uh, maybe, the yeah. Maybe they went MSI EU. As well. But the point is, like, I don't see this Team Liquid roster saying, we're going to work everybody, and then the break comes and they just sit on their hand. Like, come on, man. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I'm with you. I think it's likely that they probably went to Korea or something like that. And another thing I think is important to note is we did see this team improving over time during the spring split. They had a really horrible start. Um, I think they were two and six or three and six near the beginning and ended up as I mean, it was either seven and 11 or eight and 10. Pretty, pretty. I think it was seven and 11. They kept throwing leads, right? This was yeah. one of yeah, so they, they were able to create leads. They just weren't able to hold on to them. And that's um, and that's also part of the reason why I think that if they just eliminate those like 
obvious stupid mistakes that Jan and Harry were making. And I think those are, you know, those are very akin to just rookie mistakes, things that you will naturally learn and improve over time just with being in the LCS when it comes to positioning too far forward or being slightly too aggressive in team fights. Cause we did see a lot of the time Jan stepping just slightly too far forward more often than not playing dilution. Cause they basically were exclusively playing Lucianami for like the first 10, 11 games of the split. Yeah. But, you know, in I, don't, a, I don't want them to play that anymore. I feel like core JJ is probably watching all of like the Korean teams, all the LCK teams just absolutely stomp with Lucianami. And he's like, dude, we can do this, but they just couldn't do this. Well, they could in lane, so, but Jan, yeah, but the point is, like, well, if I know you're not, if your Lucian is AFK mid game, you don't have an AD carry anymore. Like, it's really di- it's it's difficult to make Lucian work, but the guys that can make Lucian work in the mid and late game absolutely pop off with it. So, like, but I I, I, I would also I would also make the point that it is part of the reason why I have more faith in them is because they were able to execute these style of comps in the early to mid game. And they were slightly fumbling in the late game, which was causing a lot of their problems. And I've even said this in the past with other teams, I'm always more impressed by the teams who can go out, get an early game lead, end up throwing it at the end, as opposed to teams who don't do anything and are completely inactive in the early game and purely rely on teams to just make mistakes and claw their way back into the game through pure scaling. Like I always prefer the team who are ones to focus on the early game and work on that. It's funny because I've always said the same thing myself. And even though I still think that way, I'm less confident. Like after TL of this spring, after Golden Guardians of last spring, like there's always one team in the LCS that just cannot hold on to a lead. And so even though I still think the right way to play the game is to be proactive, which I know be proactive is like one of those buzzwords that everyone just says, but I do believe like you need to be the one making plays, forcing the other team to react to you. I think that's the right way to play the game. It's just every split. There's one team that's the exception. And no matter how many leads they get, no matter how big the leads get, they fucking throw them. Well, I'll tell you what, it won't be team liquid this split. I'll tell you that. Okay. You got the JNT stamp guarantee. I got faith. I got faith. Okay. Uh, what team's next, Jinter? We'll do Golden Guardians next because you had them at number the two. Five spot. I had them at five. And so, if I'm so being let me comp- guess here, I want to I want to guess. I want to okay. guess what you're thinking here because I think if you're believing in Golden Guardians, like I am having them number two, you believe that what we saw from Licorice is real. If you have them five, you think it's Fugazi. It's all fake. It was not. It was a mirage. Or am I wrong? I mean, you're kind. You're both right and wrong because I do okay. think that Licorice is not going to continue the same level of performance. I do think the novelty will wear off a little bit, not with just Licorice, but with the whole team. Um, but more so, Botling. No, I mean it's more of an indictment on the rest of the teams that are above them because I, I didn't. You know, when we were talking towards the end of Spring Split. My thoughts on the of Golden Guardians rise and the absolute like fall off that we saw from teams like 100 Thieves, EG, and FlyQuest. I thought a lot of that had to do with the other teams fumbling more than it was Golden Guardians succeeding. And we still have to give credit to Golden Guardians. Yes, they played very well. They beat the teams they needed to beat to advance. They 3-0'd EG. They, what was it, 3-2 against FlyQuest and then 3-1 against Cloud9. Like it was a very impressive run, but. I still believe that a lot of Golden Guardians run to the title had to do with teams just completely falling off a cliff towards the end of the split. And I don't think that we're going to get that as much. And I do think that 
we are going to see a bit of a drop in performance compared to what we were seeing at MSI. Last last split was so streaky. Like if teams were good, they were good for like three weeks in a row. And the same thing if they were bad, they were bad for like three weeks in a row. So it's like, you're not wrong in saying that. Like towards the end, there were some teams that just fell off a cliff and forgot how to play League of Legends. And that did kind of allow an opening for Golden Guardians. The reason why I still have faith though, is their MSI performance was decent, right? Again, you got to remember they're going up against the best two seeds of like, well, yeah, the best regions in the world. <laughs> and honestly, that was the test for me to have faith in Licorice. Licorice is like, I know I, I've been getting super excited about talking about Licorice all the time. I can't explain what happened to Licorice. And that's why I'm so fascinated by it. Like, how many years did he just fall off for? Like, there was like two years where he just went AFK. Yeah, right? 11 and 12. Two years? Yeah, because he was you know on FlyQuest for all of... 11 and then was on golden guardian slash fly quest for 2022 he just lost his skill and then found it again you know what it's we this is really weird but it reminds me of space jam you know when like oh the my. monsters come and steal <laughs> the talents yeah. yeah yeah and then i licorice this split he touched the basketball and got his skill back he's fucking uh patrick ewing or charles barkley or something and now he can play league of legends again and so I'm saying Licorice touched the basketball and he's going into summer split, uh, full guns a blazing, and he's going to be one of our best tops, no longer our worst top. Um, I'm, I'm buying the Licorice stock. And if he doesn't, then I don't know, maybe the monsters came back and sucked his power away. I don't know. It's difficult. I mean, <laughs> it, it, I guess I would say that maybe my Golden Guardian's placement is, you know, slightly more to do with my faith that they're going to fail rather than looking at it from more like analytically per se, but so I don't know. What, okay, it, let it, me it's ask difficult. You about, let me ask you about um, mid jungle because I thought river and his boy in the mid lane there, they were doing pretty damn good. Those two, like at pretty much, I want to say most of the split. No. Yeah, no, I, like I, Gory was one of our, he was our number one, um, he was our number one, uh, LCS, what the hell, mid lane. Wasn't um, mine. All pro. I'm just... Yeah, sure. No, I'm yours, no, he, he, he was good. The... I think, I think I had him second. So, yeah, like he was the, uh, number one all pro mid. And like, I think River and him looked really, really good together. So, like, that's something to be, I guess, one area where I'm a little bit skeptical is I didn't think Stixay had that great of an MSI, but I think the rest of the team did. And I yeah. guess uh, I guess one other little thing too that I should also sprinkle in there is like apparently there's supposed to be a really big shift in meta because they're changing a bunch of crap or changed a bunch of crap. Yeah, and so there will be the probably. one one guy that I think could easily transition into a bunch of other crap is Hoohee. That guy plays a bunch of random shit anyways. So like Hoohee was an absolute monster on his engaged champions. Why can't he do that again? No matter what the meta is, you know. Yeah, I, I will say that my my non-faith in Golden Guardians does have to do more with the top and bot lane, and it doesn't be jungle, because the, the obvious strength of this team um, throughout the back half of the summer split and their run to the title was the mid-jungle of, of Golden Guardians. Hmm. But, I mean, I still think you compare this to some other mid-jungles in the league, and they're not the strongest, per se. I mean, they're up there, but, you know... Yeah, I think they can compete with any mid-jungle in the league. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're the best mid-jungle, which I do think they're one of the better ones, but I, I don't think that they just get hard-gapped by any mid-jungle in the league. 
I, I just and, and I also just think that the upgrades that other teams have made can can easily push them over the top of this team, especially, you know, FlyQuest in the bot lane, 100 Thieves in the mid lane. If Quid, you know, is like I said, if Quid puts on a performance relative to what MNS and Gory did coming in, then I think Quid's going to be up there and with the top mids. OK, all right. With the likes uh, of MNS and Gory. And now we who do we talk about next? Um, well, I guess it'd be FlyQuest next. Uh, yeah, I, so them... I almost had FlyQuest number two. Um, I'm surprised you didn't I put saw... them at number two, to be honest. Yeah, the, the the ultimate thing it came down to was, um, first I had them number two because I was like, okay, Vulcan, he's replacing the biggest problem that FlyQuest had was their support, and uh, obviously Prince looked worse as the split went on, and I think that is in big part due to the support issues that they had. To me, Prince was still the MVP, but I know you think this as well, Jinter, that like, this is not their only problem that they had. Everyone scapegoated the support as the issues, which don't get me wrong. The support issues were very apparent, but top lane didn't look that good. Impact did not look that, that good. Spica was starting to fall off. Vikla was inting hard some of their games. And while I don't think it's impossible for those guys to clean up their act or whatever, like I can't say that Vulcan going in just fixes everything because I just don't think it does. I mean, I do agree with you, but what I would say to that is despite all those issues, they still were, you know, it was a 3-2 against them in the, the lower bracket finals. Yeah, and the weird thing is, is that, like, it's like, I think they made such a big upgrade, and yet I still have them in the same same spot, you know? Yeah. But you, by that token, I also still think Licorice upgraded as MSI went on as well. So it's that's like, fair. To me, there was no change in players on Golden Guardians, but it was still an upgrade, if that makes sense. I admire your continued faith in Golden Guardians and Licorice. I, I have big admiration Dude, like, for that. I, I totally admit that there's a. I am a little worried that Licorice just, you know, <laughs> you just uh, lays an egg or something. Yeah. But I'd rather get all aboard the Licorice hype train because I think that's one of the coolest stories we have this year. He was absolute dog shit. We have to flame him every goddamn episode. Now he's pogging. He's solo killing 369. Bin, you name it. Yeah, um, and we got Cloud on number one. No surprises here. They have arguably the best player in every role in the LCS. The only one I think you can ask some questions about is the mid lane with MNS, um, because Gory did have a very good spring split. And I gotta Quid... back you up, JNT. I gotta stop you there. Vulcan better than J than Zven. Come on, no. I would agree with that, but I would say the bot lane duo. I still would favor Cloud Nine's bot duo. Interesting. I don't know because I haven't seen Vulcan play with Prince yet, but I had Prince as MVP last split and I have Vulcan as the best support. So I guess I, I want to see a little bit first, but like I could see FlyQuest bot lane being better than the, the Cloud9 bot lane as good as they are. Like, don't get me wrong. I have no problems with Berserker and Zven, but like we might see something pretty damn crazy out of FlyQuest. We'll have to wait and see. But, yeah. you, you are correct. Individually, I would rate Vulcan over Zven, but the tandem of bot lane, I'd still get the Cloud9 and... Like I said, I think mid lane is another interesting question when you look at MNS and Gory and Quid potentially. Uh, throw Vikla in there, but I mean Vikla was truly running it down in the last, you know, three he weeks was. of the summer split. He he was he was doing what uh you know Jojo Pune was doing and what Solo was doing towards the end. Like it was it was that damning. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's true. And, and when it comes to Cloud9, even though Fudge, I will say, didn't have that great of an MSI, he was hands down the best top laner in spring, right? Yeah, no, uh, no question Maybe about Licorice it. touching the basketball will change everything, you know? <laughs> and maybe Licorice gives him a run for... Isn't it crazy that we're even talking about Licorice competing with Fudge as top? I mean, uh, it's not that surprising Like if you'd, if you'd say that two years ago, but then yeah. what we've seen over the last two years, yeah, it is surprising. But yeah, Fudge was hands down the best. Uh, top laner in spring blabber you didn't honestly he looked pretty good at, at msi i know the team didn't but i thought blabber stood out as one of their best players yeah. at msi the solo and, lanes uh, were letting him down there yeah so anyways I, I was really happy for blabber despite the fact that they didn't get the games that they wanted to i thought blabber had one of his better uh world performances or rather worlds i mean international performances that we've seen out of him so that was also pretty good and of course if blabber's playing in the lcs he's going to be one of the best junglers if not the best jungler in the league so there's that yeah i guess with inspired gone that's a lot easier too dude ugh, should we <laughs> talk about inspired for just a second here how does he not have a team? Okay, if if the word on the street is that like, oh, there's no more buyouts for players anymore because no one wants to sign. Well, how the hell does Inspire not have a team then? I mean, he probably just didn't want to sign like a lower paying contract. The only thing that makes sense is like he didn't want to go to TSM, Immortals. Yeah. Big. Like that's the only thing is like he didn't want to go to any of these teams, but like. And then probably didn't have the LEC bro. offers that he wanted. Like I uh, am surprised though that like Koi <clears throat> didn't you know try to get him because Malrang yeah. was not the greatest. I'm more split. surprised that he doesn't have a spot in Europe. I was going to be sad to lose him to Europe, but I was like, you know what? He belongs in Europe. He's a European player. He was one of the best, if not the best, player when he was there, uh, or jungler rather when he was there. And so like I was like, you know what? I don't want to see him go, but I understand. But this is worse. This is so much worse. It just seems like all the time, every fucking player that like should be on a team just doesn't have one. Sorry, I brought us off topic. Yeah, what's the what's the like the latest on the free agent team that you can make right now? Inspired would be on there. Oh, um, uh, are we still counting Reckless. Whippo or is like yeah, like... Whippo? Whippo could be the top for that. Whippo, so Whippo inspired mid. Nemesis. Nemesis. Nemesis is the it's one that everyone throws in. Nemesis, though. I mean, yeah, this, play, this guy's uh, like perma high rank Korea and EU, so. Is there anybody else? Obviously, Bjergsen's retired. Reckless, either AD or support, maybe. Are we counting retired players? Like, like if no, Bjergsen retired players to play, would we throw him in? No, 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 not retired players. Hmm. Yeah, I guess it, uh, I'm trying to think of the ADC then. Are there any good ADCs that aren't playing? I guess it would have been Unforgiven, but dude, we're definitely missing somebody obvious too. Probably. Only ones that I can think of in EU are like Neon. And <laughs> who was playing? I don't know. Is Patrick on a team still? Is he on Excel? Oh, good question. I don't. Hmm. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'll look it up. I could go to LEC Wulu and have a look. I'm just. It still. It still says he's on Excel. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe someone in the comment section could uh, remind us of who we're missing. That's super obvious. Well, anyway, that's enough for anything else on cloud nine or is that it for the power rankings? I think that's it. Yeah. I guess one thing I should ask you real quick is, do you think the hangover is going to happen this year? It seems to be pretty consistent. Are we, are we hanging over or not hanging over? I think that, I think that the MSI hangover will probably be, I guess, no, I'm, 
here's what I'll say. The meta shift and big patch changes that are coming in, I think will overshadow the MSI hangovers. Like I think that the teams that get out to a good start in the summer split will be the ones who pick up and adapt to the meta the best, because I do That's think that we're going to see some big, big changes, especially when it comes to ADCs, especially when it comes to support and especially when it comes to jungle thing is that could make the hangover worse though it could changes, yeah. you know like we could have like omega hangover maybe i mean you definitely you definitely have to give the upper hand to one the teams that have been grinding and boot camping during the off season and you have to take a little bit away from the teams who did go to msi and cloud nine golden guardians because they've been playing on an old patch for you know a long time now like the the all the players who haven't been at msi have been playing on the new patch since the jump and Cloud9 probably only started playing on the new patch since whenever they would have got back from MSI, so maybe the beginning of this past week, whereas everybody else in the league is going to have like a two to three week head start on them. Yeah. Because I do think that we are in for some big meta shifts, like I said, in jungle, ADC, and support. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Hmm. Okay. Um, where I'm lost, I'm looking at our notes here, but I don't know where the hell we are. What, what are we doing now? Uh, well, I figured we'd, we we got to talk about Challenger League because there is info dropping on the daily, it feels like, about that. Um, True. Riot did announce that, or I guess they kind of officially announced their plans for the summer 2023 season for the Challenger League. I'm trying to pull that up right now. Like it's in- not looking nearly as bad as we thought it did. I don't know if it was last week or two weeks ago, but like we weren't sure how many teams there were going to be, but like... 10 teams is okay. It's not the 16. They had 16 last thing. Yeah, people were definitely worried that with only three teams having committed to continuing their, you know, NACL endeavors, people were very worried about the size of this league and if it was going to be like four teams, six teams, eight teams. But to get to 10 teams, I think, is is the best that they could probably do. Yeah. And who are those teams, you might ask? I'll let you guys know right now. So the three LCRs. Three LCS orgs that are remaining are FlyQuest, Team Liquid, and EG. Three returning independent teams who have competed in the NACL as of last split. AoE Gold, Cincinnati Fear, and Wildcard Gaming. Two brand new teams who qualified through the qualifiers at the end of spring. Maryville University and Supernova. And then two completely brand new teams. One being Team Fish Taco, who did compete in the amateur slash qualifiers for NACL, didn't make it, but they were the, the the third team behind the two qualified, so they came in. And then the big one, obviously, DSG, a.k.a. Disguised, a.k.a. Disguised Toast. Yeah, it's funny because I think last week or two weeks ago, we mentioned, like, or I said, rather, that, like, I think Mr. Beast is kind of done with all this. Like, it's been a while since he said he wanted a league team. And, like, obviously the value on these things, like, it's not a priority for him. But, like, this seems like such, like, a small thing that, like, if Toast is the one that, like, hey, guys, look, this isn't so hard to do. Maybe Mr. Beast could still get a League of Legends team. Mind you, it wouldn't be LCS. But, I mean, it's a start. So, like, maybe I'm backing up on the whole Mr. Beast ain't getting a league team anymore. I could see him doing something like what Toast is doing. Mm-hmm. And I think... Also, did you see that article? Like, um, in, I, I don't know if it was, like, an interview with Toast, but he was just saying, like, yeah, we didn't really have to pay that much, and we got to help people, like, keep their jobs. So I was like, yeah, why not? And I'm like, oh, Toast. What a good guy. So yeah. 
Um, and but with this guy's toast, the big question is, is he going to make some sort of splash in terms of the roster that he builds? Because he did say that he was going to be putting out a brand new roster. So he wasn't going to sort of be he wasn't going to just pick up a full team that got dropped and just field that he wanted to come in and build his own team. And I think if you look at what he was doing in the Valorant uh, side of things, he was not necessarily concerned with spending a little bit of extra money for those big name players who will draw a lot of attention to his team. So I think with Toast wanting to go completely new with his team, it will be interesting to see what kind of a roster that he builds. Um, obviously, you know, as of right now, there is no possibility for your team in the Challenger League to promote to the LCS. We think that it's very unlikely with those proposed changes that the Players Association came out with. We don't think it's going to happen. If it does happen, or if there is some sort of changes to that, I would not be surprised at all to see a guy like Toast go after some some big name guys. Yeah, I think that that's probably more of an investment than he would really want to get into. I, I'm not. I can't really speak for him though. In all fairness, maybe he's more than interested to get into the LCS. I just don't see it as being incredibly likely. Um, I think the rumor on TSM selling was 20 million or something like that. Or maybe that was the rumor for what FlyQuest sold for. I can't remember. It was only rumors regardless. So there was never a hard number. Um, but the point is, it's going to be a costly number. And I don't like right now, they're saying that teams are around half a million to run the challenger teams approximately. That is very, very different than forking up. Uh, $20 million or whatever it is. Oh, but I, I think if the system does change and there's the possibility that you can promote from the NACL to the LCS, I would not be surprised at all to see Toast, you know, dump, you know, more money into it because you look at what he was doing in the Valorant scene. He went after, you know, I, I'm sorry for the people who don't know a lot about Valorant. I don't really know that much either, but one of the biggest free agents at the time when Toast was making his team was Yay, was, uh, was Yester after he got dropped from Cloud9's Valorant team. And he was basically regarded as like one of the best players in the world. And Toast, you know, wanted to pick him up for the Challenger League and wanted to try to get his team to promote into VCT. Obviously, they didn't end up working out. The team kind of like crashed and burned at the end. So I know like there was a lot of depressing times on Toast co-streams when he was watching his Valorant team. But if the option, if the option to get into LCS becomes a possibility in the coming weeks, like I said, would not be surprised if, if Toast does try to make a move because that's what he was doing in Valorant. Mm, okay, that's interesting. Um, do you have any theories on who the next streamer team would be? If if Toast is going to get this ball rolling, do you have any orgs in mind? The first one that comes to mind... General is, Sniper? I think, I think most people are going to... Oh, you're talking players. I meant like teams. I was thinking like Moist teams? And, and Moist Moguls and... The whole Ludwig and so, uh, I, so I guess I didn't. What was your question? I didn't, I didn't even understand. I was that. asking like which next streamer was gonna. Oh oh. The team. Yeah, maybe it'd be them. MXM. Yeah, like I think that's the one most people have on their minds is is that one. Like, hey, if they they kind of did the same thing, right? They got a Valorant team. Like maybe they're willing to follow Toast footsteps. Yeah, no, I dare to dream. It'd be interesting, for sure. Dude, I, like the scene would be so much better if they actually had like more interesting personalities. God knows that's what the LCS has been missing. Well, and for a while. with the announcement that DSG was going to be a part of NACL, people were asking the question like, well, now are we going to be able to co-stream, you know, NACL? And what good is that going to do for that league in terms of drawing interest and increasing the viewership and whatnot? If the increase in viewership, you know, kind of makes Riot rethink their position on this whole thing if Toast can bring in those type of numbers because there was there was some Reddit post 
on the league subreddit that was kind of comparing the Challenger League viewership in Valorant and in League of Legends and comparing how the AK, the, you know, the streamer orgs, both DSG and Moist, how much the viewership jumps when those teams are playing and, you know, the, the owners of the team are co-streaming and whatnot. So yeah. maybe Toast comes in, brings a lot of viewership and hype to the scene, you know, co-stream it. We get up to like, you know, 50, 60 K viewers uh, on a weekly basis for NACL matches. I would hope that that could change Riot's position and maybe they could go back to saving the future of NA instead of destroying it. I mean, at this point, all we can do is really hope. But anyways, it's just one thing. It's just nice to see with so much of the doomerism that we've had over the last few months. This is one nice little thing. And maybe it doesn't lead to much. Who the hell knows? But it's something to have a little bit of hope. Um, I don't have anything else on it. Do you? Uh, no, I'm excited for DSG. I hope they put together a good team with some decent names so that they give me a reason to watch their games. And I, I hope that they allow the co-stream in. This is, I have no information, no actual reason to believe. This is just pure uh, hopium. But I saw uh, Golden Glue tweet out the contract sign thing. Oh, yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, I hope that he's coaching Toast's team or playing for it. Either one. It'd be interesting. Because, I, I, yeah, I guess he was most recently a coach on 100 Thieves Challengers. So Yeah, so we'll have to wait and see how that goes. Okay, let's do quick news now, and then we'll close out the show. Yeah. Um. First up, Cloud9. They added Rigby to their coaching staff. Formerly was on the EG coaching staff. And for the most part, was actually a pretty highly regarded guy. Interesting note, yeah. though, is that he is remote coaching from Korea because he's technically still uh, doing his mandatory two years of military service. But whatever situation he's in allows for him to work another job. So I don't know the whole details, but it's all good. But he'll, he'll, he'll be remote coaching, which is a good thing. Coaches are always yeah. a good thing. I just think it's cool because I, I think it sucks anytime someone has to give up what they love doing for military service. Like, don't get me wrong. I understand that things are different over there and there's a reason why they have to do it the way they do it and all that. I'm just saying like, it's pretty unfortunate that like you have to go do that and it puts on hold like what you want to do. So it's nice that despite the fact that that was pretty unlucky for him, that he's still able to do some coaching and hopefully he brings some value to C9. Uh, another coaching thing. Uh, Razvan was promoted to the EG head coach. I have no idea if I've pronounced that right, but I can't really get it out of my head that the first part of it is Raz, like Raz, the analyst and the caster, and then Van, like a van. So, okay, Razvan. Van. Okay, I never, th never made that connection. Um, never heard of him, but cool. Yeah, never know, heard notable. of him either. He's apparently been on the EG coaching staff for a, a while now, so sounds yeah. like he's been a guy who's ingrained within the team. Okay, and then we have Reckless that declined the option to join Koi. He wants to spend the remainder of the summer to prep for 2024. Thoughts, JNT? Yeah, kind of interesting that he decided to forego potentially playing in summer to prep for 2024. But I think, you know, one, one of the positions that a lot of people online had was that, you know, this is potentially his last chance and he wants to, you know, maybe not screw it up by going in a bit too early on this thing, you know. It did work out in Zven's case when he took, you know, spring 2022 off, played, you know, in the Challenger League, playing to carry, and then came into summer. Admittedly, you know, him and Cloud9 took a pretty big risk with doing that. It ended up working out, but I don't know if Reckless is willing to, to do that same risk. Yeah, the, the thing that's a big risk is, like, he didn't exactly have the greatest year so far. Um, and so it's like, you kind of wonder if more time away from an L LEC team is, like, 
maybe that's not what he needs. I, I don't know. Like, I'm not going to pretend like I know what he needs more than he knows. Just as like a fan or from the fan perspective, it's a little bit worrisome, you know? Mm-hmm. But like, I understand if he doesn't think he's where he needs to be right now to be in the LEC, then going to play might just, you know, sink his stock rather than grow it. And so exactly, maybe, this yeah. is, maybe this is the right play of like, look, I'm not where I need to be right now. I need to get to where I need to be and then give people reason to have faith in me. And so I, I don't know what exactly that's going to look like, what his summer prep is going to be. All I know is that I will be cheering for him to have a spot in 2024. And I hope we get to see Reckless uh, go back to the days of old. Yeah. Um. Uh, next up, we had MSI conclude not too long ago over in London. And there's been some rumors circling that we could see London return to international league scene over in Worlds 2024 when that ends up going back to Europe. Obviously, Worlds 2023, meaning this year, is going to be in Korea, but next year, back over to EU. Yeah, that's cool. Like, I like look, I, all I can say is, like, cool, because I'm not going to be able to go. <laughs> There's no way I can afford a ticket to London, Paris, Berlin, or Barcelona right now. But, you know cool uh the european fans haven't had worlds in 2019 if i'm not mistaken so i'm glad they're getting another one and then last up just uh kind of something i just wanted to throw out there for fun uh the asia games is going on for a lot of the eastern uh league of legends teams they'll be participating in the in the league of legends part of the asia games and korea announced their roster and if you were watching msi you will recognize a lot of the names on this team Zeus, Kanavi, Chovy slash Faker, Ruler, and Caria. And if that's not the best five-man roster you could probably make in League of Legends today, I don't know what is. Maybe Zeus. Maybe that, but I'm not seeing a lot of problems with this roster. What about Knight, though? Knight had a really good MSI. Is he Korean? Oh, no, no, no. I, I'm just saying, like, you said the best five-man roster you can put together. I, I guess you mean oh. Korean roster you yeah. can put together. Mm-hmm. Okay. I thought you were saying, like, they were the best well, in the role in the... Well, he actually might be Korean, because, I mean, I know 369 is Korean. I don't know if he is now. I will double-check. I just think, sure. I think of him as Chinese, because he's played in the LPL for forever, but... Oh, wait, no. Yeah, 369 he's... is Chinese. The the Koreans on that that's team what... are Kanavi and Ruler. Yeah. I, I, that's why I said three six nine, not not thinking he was a Korean player. I just thought you meant purely best in their role or whatever. And I said, why not three six nine? Um, yeah. Regardless, I, totally... I, I still don't understand. I know I said this to you the other day. I don't understand what the point is of announcing this so early, because like, what if one of these players has a really bad split and like, yeah, maybe we don't want him. Like, if they were having to practice together already, then sure, and maybe they will practice together. I'm just assuming that these teams, these guys are going to be practicing with their current teams, with their current like LCK rosters or or whatever, so or LPL rosters, whatever. So that's why I find it really weird. Like, why did they announce this already if it's not for another few months? And the yeah. other thing is, what does it mean, Chovy slash Faker? They were allowed to run a six man. Is that the the idea here? Yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly if they're allowed to or whatever, but I would assume that they do have a sub spot and Pick that one, was bro. the subs. It, bro, it's who knows? Maybe it'll be whoever plays better in summer. Yeah. Anyways, cool. Yeah. I actually probably will watch. I just think it's interesting to see Ruler carry up because, I mean, Ruler was definitely the best player at MSI. Well, at least in my opinion, I think a lot of people would agree. Mm-hmm. And carry is supposed to be the best player in the world going into the tournament. Well, now we combine into some superpower. They're like the fucking Power Ranger thing, you know, the five players yeah, that yeah. get together. Yeah, beast. 
So I I would watch, I suppose. What was it called? Like the Mechazoid or something? Like I don't know. Some shit when like I was that. a kid, though, I had the toy. You know what's weird is I actually remember asking Santa for it. Like the whole, you go to the mall, you sit on his lap. And I probably told Santa the name of it. I don't know what it is. But I was like, I want that. And so isn't that cool? I had like the toy. You put all five pieces together. It was beast. Santa made your wish come true, huh? What a good guy. Yeah, my mom probably gave the toys away. Come on, mom. Anyway, uh, that's it for this episode. Ending on Power Rangers. Yep. Beast. Okay, uh, we don't fucking know if we're going to be back next week because we don't even know if the LCS is existing on June 1st. So I guess we'll have to tweet like we've been doing, I suppose. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think it's safe to say that if we find out that the LCS, they all voted to, you know, go on strike basically, and that the LCS games won't be happening on June the 1st. You'll probably hear something from us about our thoughts and opinions on it. But yeah, if that does happen, I mean, I don't really know what the schedule is going to look like. Yeah, we'll have to just tweet to let people know when we're going live and stuff and follow us or well, yeah, follow us at twitch.tv slash podcast to get a notification, subscribe on YouTube to get the thing pop up in your whatever there. And uh, yeah, we'll, uh, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I'm being Omega optimistic. I'm going to will it into existence. Doesn't that, like, sound like people, it. People it listening. Sound. No, 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 no. People listening to this tomorrow or on their drive to work or whatever the hell are listening, knowing full well, oh, it's okay, Blue Jay. You didn't have to worry. The games are happening June 1st. And I'm praying that I don't look like a dum-dum. I think it will. Here's what I'll say. If we find out very quickly i see that as a good thing like if we find out either very quickly tonight or very quickly tomorrow morning that like okay you know there some more changes are going to be made and we're going to play like all good but the the longer if they didn't have a meeting already you know what i mean like i said earlier like the owners should have gotten together and said guys if they walk out we'll give them this i just think the longer it drags out with us not knowing the information that can only point to, to bad things i think i agree no. let's let's hope that when we wake up on monday morning or early monday we'll find out because i hope we find out in like an hour and a half is the, apparently the vote who so, knows May, know. maybe we'll be back here in two hours talking about it <laughs> probably not okay all right we're rambling on now uh we'll see you whenever the next episode thanks for joining us guys thanks for being in the live chat we will see you guys next time this has been episode 126 of the clown fiesta podcast take care comb your hair